0: Well, hello and welcome to Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast with we, your hosts. I am Stevie Manns.
1: And I am Aki Burmese, and Let me tell you something. It's highly illogical how much Star Trek we've had of late.
0: Good segue. It is highly illogical.
1: Thank you. I'm not upset about it, but it does mean there's a lot to talk about. I don't know why they put out two episodes this past week, but they did. This first one, this just dropped on a Sunday, Stevie. On a Sunday.
0: I know. No one was expecting it. Do we think it was writer strike related?
1: I don't know if it was writer strike related or because, spoiler alert, the next episode is pretty dark. And they thought it would be nice to leaven it with something happy. But I guess we'll find out on Sunday if they hit us with the next app. Do you already know?
0: No, I don't know. Oh, But I do know they've announced Star Trek Lower Decks coming out on September 7th.
1: Oh, yeah. We know that. So
0: I wonder if they screwed up the timing and needed to adjust it for some particular reason. There's a part of me that does think it has something to do with the writer's strike.
1: That's probably the Occam's razor explanation. It is logical.
0: I think it must have something to do with the promotion and what they're able to do with the actors or not.
1: Well, they're not able to do anything with the actors.
0: Correct. But even like the ready room.
1: Well, those are all recorded, presumably. Oh, maybe they're not. Touche.
0: Oh, this is it. Wait. You don't know how far in advance can't. they are recorded.
1: But the actors, only the directors would be able to talk about the shows because the actors and writers would not be allowed to talk about shows. I don't know.
0: But then what would Will Wheaton, I don't know if he would even be able to host them. No,
1: he's been on the picket line. He did yeah. a, I saw a thing on him with, with uh, I'm going to call him Beverly Crusher.
0: Gates McFadden. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that was super interesting. And like yeah. the points that he made about that, we can talk about that later, but right. it was really interesting about how back in the 90s, pre-streaming, they all made a lot of money on residuals. Series were also longer, 20, 25 episodes per season. There was a lot more money for actors, and consequently, the TNG actors have done fairly well. But I think Michelle Heard, I saw her on the picket line, and she's like, if you're even a series regular, you might make $8,000 an episode, and you might not even qualify for your health insurance. And right. be on a huge show, which exactly. I thought was crazy. Anyway, we're not here. Well, we're, that's it's we're related. It's that, adjacent, but we're
1: but it's something unspoken in the ether. We don't understand what's going on. Anyway, this is the worst time to be talking about other stuff because we got to talk about all this Star Trek. We do. Let's do it. Set phasers. A highly illogical Star Trek podcast. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Forgot to tell you what the start date is. Start date 427729.4. We're talking about episode 7 of season 2 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds entitled Those Old Scientists. This is the episode <laughs> we've all been waiting for. TOS. Because this is the episode of the the text I got from Stevie Sunday afternoon. It's the crossover episode. It's out now. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is Lower Decks meets Strange New Worlds. I think it's great, and let's just run it down. It's crazy. It's time to run it down. Mm-hmm. Can you run it down mm-hmm. for me? Yeah. What just happened? Mm-hmm. Can you run it down mm-hmm. for me? Yes, I can. We begin in the cartoon version of the world of Ceritos. And Boimler is doing his personal log because they're headed to the planet of Kralmuth B to check on this portal that's been on this planet that was discovered by... Who was it discovered by? The point is, they're checking in on this portal, and the portal's been inactive for years and years, centuries maybe. And they're just going to see that if the portal is fine. It turns out that Mariner is in charge of the team that's beaming down to the planet, and the team is the team. So you got your Rutherford, you got your Tendi, you got your Boims. And they head down there. They're looking at this portal on this desolated planet. Tendy argues that the portal was actually discovered by Orions, by an Orion spaceship, science spaceship, which Boimler is, let's uh, say, incredulous about. But Mariner cautions him that no, it's not polite to assume that all Orions are pirates, even 120 years ago. Rutherford is doing some scans and he detects traces of horonium. Horonium. Have we heard this element before? Or was this made I- up?
0: don't recall when she says it's not been discovered for centuries i think it, it's totally it may appear in my easter eggs
1: oh okay great okay i was like heronium anyway it's an element yes that has not been seen or recorded for centuries and boimler points out offhand that uh, all the old nx class uh, shuttles used heronium for their hu- their hulls the ships and shuttles boimler gets up there he starts to do his spock impersonation it's terrible they decided to take a hollow photo As they take the photo, it activates the Heronium. The portal opens and sucks Boimler back through. The rest of the crew is unable to stop him. The portal closes. Boimler flies through, lands on the ground to see that he is surveyed by uh, Spock, La'an, and Una. He says they look very lifelike, and then he passes out. And Una says, reporting back to the ship, there may be a problem. Yes, and Boimler, live action. What's his name? Quaid. Jack? No. Yeah, Jack Quaid.
0: Correct. Jack Quaid, son of Morph. I was making it up. Son of <laughs> Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. Oh, that
1: explains his his supple good looks.
0: It does explain his good looks, but yet also his quirky
1: I was gonna say, and also his sort of quirky, fun, funny physical comedy thing. Side note, this podcast could have been about coms, But <laughs> well, we could decided to do Star be. Trek instead. It could still be Could still be. We got a writer strike coming up. I finally managed to hunt down a you can't find this most places. Maybe I should admit this, but Meg Ryan's French Kiss with Kevin Klein, a mid-90s rom-com. And she's Uh, hilarious. She does so much physical comedy. She's so good. Anyway, that's so that all tracks. I didn't know that about Jack Quaid, that he was of Meg Ryan. But now it tracks. Okay, so where were we? So now we're in the real world. Air quotes. And the Enterprise had their own thing going on they were on their way to a colony on set like two to deliver these special grains and food supplies to the colonists there and una and pike they then they discovered they were stopping to take a look at this thing and they discovered boimler so una and pike are looking at boimler's communicator and they say oh look it's not only a badge it's also a communicator which is not what they have and pike is not super enthused because he's like flipping open the communicator is the best part they get to sick bay. They see Boimler there, he wakes up, Boimler is absolutely gobsmacked that everyone around him is like a superhero of the TOS era. (laughs) He asks for the stardate and realizes that he is in fact 120 years in the past, and Boimler is super into Pike, who turns out to be funnier than he thought, and he has a super weird reaction to Una, Jin Riley, which Una finds discomforting but doesn't know why, and they can't ask because of the temporal timey-wimey stuff. La'an takes him to get situated and explains the temporal contamination rules. Number one. Oh, I said that. I inadvertently said that. (laughs) Like Picard. Number one. Whenever I make a list. Number one.
0: I feel like you said number one, not like Picard, but like Picard when he was a child in that transporter accident. Number one.
1: Number one. Number one. I'm a child. Uh, Number one. Don't get involved in current events because you could change the future. Don't share future information because you could change the past. And number three, one that she made up herself, don't get attached. A throwback, I thought this was nice, how they wove in the serious things of La'an's episode where she goes back in time with Kirk and all that business. She's saying don't make any attachments because things can get pretty tricky. So we get a little bit of La'an tied and hooked into this temporal business. Boimler is waiting for things to get fixed. He's in the ready room, Pike's ready room, and sees Pike's saddle horse, which is a weird thing for Pike to have. And he touches it, and then he's like, couldn't hurt to get on this bad boy. And then he Rikers up into the saddle, uh, which was very funny and also beautiful. And also Frakes directed this episode, did he not? So it's, it's meta on top of meta.
0: Fun fact, that was improvised.
1: Of course it was. <laughs> of
0: course it was improvised.
1: Of course it was. Jack In
0: the ready room, if you are a fan of the ready room, as I know some of some of you out there may be, it was quite funny. We Will Wheaton had hmm. Tony Newsom, Jack Quaid, and Riker, slash Jonathan Frakes, on his sofa. And they talked about that moment. And Jack Quaid said, oh yeah, totally improvised. And they talked about the whole episode and the fact that like, it was all a big swing. Like, moving animated characters into a live action was a big swing, and mm-hmm. I think doing that in front of Jonathan Frakes, he said, yeah, that was a big swing, but you had to.
1: Yeah. It's, come on, this is Boimler on... This is that. what the whole episode's about. It's like going back and seeing your heroes in the time that they were in... It was one, I think one of them, we'll chat about that. Yeah, he gets in there, he meets Ahura. he mentions that Mariner would freak out if Mariner met Ahura because Uhura is Mariner's favorite. Uhura's like, look, I just need some space to work. And that's when Boimler gets called back to the planet. So they make their first attempt to send Boimler back to his original time. Spock and Mbenger there are taking readings. Boimler mentions dumb luck and it causes Spock to laugh out loud, which worries Boimler extremely because he thinks perhaps he did something to Spock. Uh, then they are called back because an unidentified ship is entering the system. They go back to the, to the bridge, of the Orion science vessel, the Devar. Ooh, Captain by Har Karas. I hope I'm saying that because there's a lot of language to remember for these two apps. And Boimler cautions Pike that, Hey, these are peaceful people. And it's from my time. It's not polite to think of all Orion's as pirates. So be cool. And so Pike steps back from his sort of like aggressive footing and they have a brief conversation and then things seem like they might be okay. But then the Orion's beam the portal aboard their ship and take off at warp. And it's all Boimler's fault. Pike goes and admits to Una in private that maybe he made a mistake listening to Boimler, but that he was charmed by the fact that this young Ensign was, like, idealizing him because it makes him feel like maybe his future is not as grim as he thinks it might be, which was an interesting concept. Boimler, in the, meanwhile, is in the crew lounge. He's playing with a pad, an orteus and Chapel approach, and they tease him about contaminating uh, the timeline and chroniton radiation. Whoa. Boimler lets slip about Pike's birthday, which apparently no one knew about, but of course he does because it's a holiday. And then it occurs to Ortega's to maybe they throw a surprise party for Pike on his birthday. That would be nice for the cabin. At that point, Chapel has to go. Spock arrives uh, at the doors, and as he sees Chapel, he smiles broadly at her. This gives Boimler more concern. He chases Chapel down the hall and into a turbo lift, and he asks if he maybe did something to Spock, like maybe broke him because he made Spock laugh. And that's when Chapel reveals that Spock has been is going through a thing that has been happening since Boimler got here before Boimler got here. And Boimler's relieved because he's like, oh, okay, so maybe the Spock that I know from history books will he's like going through a thing, but he'll go back to his old serious, Spocky Vulcan self which sort of reigns on Chapel's parade because their love is young, so young and foolish. And then Boimler excuses himself from the turbolift, realizing that he has ruined everyone's day, and he continues to muck up everything in Boimler fashion. Uh, the Enterprise crew is unable to track down the Orion's, but Boimler from the future knows how they could track down the Orion's, but They don't want to contaminate the timeline. But then Boimler was like, maybe I could do it. And you guys just look away. And then we get a very cartoonish, (laughs) very much from Lower deck style of uh, everyone looking the other way. And Boimler just covered in cables around the con. And they're able to chase down the Orions. They meet the Devar spaceship. And they meet the Devar spaceship. And they manage to do a trade for the portal for the grain, the special grain that they have in their hull, and they're able to get the portal back. They make a second attempt to send Boimler back to his timeline. This time it's with Spock, Pike, and Laan. They have just enough Heronium to do one trip. They activate it, but before Boimler can go through, Mariner seeing him thinks she needs to rescue him, and so she jumps through and then we get our second cartoon turned into live action person, Tawny Newsom, as... Beckett Mariner, sleeves rolled up and everything. And Mariner seeing all those famous people asked immediately if she can see Ahura.
0: Fun fact, those mm-hmm. sleeves that are rolled up, they were never, the suit she's wearing, the the uniform she's wearing, does not have full sleeves. They only made them three quarters that they could just fold up very neatly.
1: There you go. They're just It's a Mariner cut, a Mariner sleeve cut, yep. which honestly, not a bad cut for a shirt.
0: No, it's pretty good. I just love that little fun fact.
1: Yes, I thought it was great. Well, I loved all the attention to detail from their character, and, and I did see a clip of the Ready Room of where they were razzing Quaid about him throwing a hissy fit about needing to have purple hair to play Boimler. But it did add a nice effect, you give Boimler a nice purplish thing. So There's a roundtable where the command staff, Mariner and Boimler are talking about options for what they can do. There's no Heronium, but maybe they can make some. Mariner suggests that they use a matter synthesizer and that Boimler helps Spock and that she can help Ahura with translation because she has some language credits from the Academy, even though she really doesn't have anything that can help Ahura. But it's a chance for them to hang out with their heroes. Also, Mariner is blown away by how hot young Spock is, which, hey, aren't we all? una corners mariner in a hallway which i know technically is not a thing that you can do in a hallway that doesn't have corners but don't worry about it that's what i wrote and she's asking about boimler's strange behavior and mariner lets slip that Boimler has a poster of una in his bunk which una misunderstands to be a prurient sort of thing and so she says don't tell me anything more i don't want to know anything more and she goes away. They work together. Mariner and Ahura are working together. Ahura is, you know, as usual, trying to work nonstop. She's daunted by the historical legacy that Mariner and Boimler indicate for her. Uh, Mariner suggests that they take a break. And so they go down to the lounge. And Mariner makes Orion hurricanes for herself, Ortegas, and Uhura. But Ahura is still working surreptitiously until she is razzed by Ortegas. He finally gives them her pad. But then Ortegas... Also, Ortegas foreshadows her time during the Federation Klingon War, which will become important in the next episode. But Ortegas sees what Aurora is working on and goes, oh, hey, I've seen this before. I once someone tried to trade me an ancient... Nausicaan Damjot board, and it had these letters on it, which causes Ahura to realize that it's an ancient, thousands of years old Nausicaan dialect. But when they translate it, they find out that it just says time travel device, which, hey, that's cool. Spock and Boimler are working, and Spock confronts Boimler about his conversation with Chapel, and he says even though Boimler may have conceptions about Spock... It would be illogical for him to change his behavior because of what Boimler says, because that would contaminate the timeline. So he might as well continue on the path that he is on and he just wanted to bring it up. Then they try to make Heronium and the experiment explodes and all is lost. Boimler, feeling sad, goes down to engineering to look at the warp core. He has a brief conversation with Pelia and she inspires him, unwittingly perhaps, to take matters into his own hands. So he sneaks into the shuttle bay and onto a shuttle in order to contact the Orions using the shuttle's independent communications array thinking he can trade something for the grains so that they can get the grains back for the colonists so that at least if he's stuck there forever, he won't have caused the colony to fail. But Mariner is already there waiting for him, planning to help, and they think they can't get caught, but they are caught by La'an and are told that Ahura was able to suppress their secret signal. So fortunately, that thing did not get out. Mariner and Boims are brought to Pike's quarters for a dressing down. And in the dressing down, it is brought up that Boimler dressed up as Pike for Halloween, which warms Pike's heart a little bit. And they have a conversation about things being ruined and so on and so forth. Pike also says, first thing you can do is stop telling people about my birthday and having this surprise birthday party thing happen because he doesn't want to do it because it'll be his first birthday where he's older than his dad was when his dad died. And so he's planning on spending it alone. But Boimler points out, hey, there are people on the ship that when you die are going to miss you, too which obviously is something that's close to Pike's mind at all times, as he has, what, eight years left or something like that. Uh, Pike also sees how hard it is. He's like, what if I were sent back to Archer's Enterprise? And this gives Boimler an idea. Ha ha! The big idea. Boimler and Mariner talk to the command crew. Boimler apologizes for having ruined basically everyone's life but then mentions a strip to the Starship History Museum that he and Mariner took, and they saw the NX-01 and has grapplers and Laan misses. she likes grapplers. And I did realize that La'an and Reed probably would get along. The old hulls were made out of heronium, as mentioned earlier in the episode, but those old ships are gone. However, the NX-01, which is the first Enterprise, new ships have a piece of the old ship, and Mariner knows where the piece of the old ship, NXL-1 is on this new Enterprise because she paid attention at the museum. Surprise, surprise. The piece is in the floor in engineering. This upsets Pelia, but they get the piece out of the floor. They manage to turn it into like a a Heronium ball, I guess, or whatever. Uh, And while they're doing that, the crew of the Enterprise are talking about the crew of the NXL-1, like the crew of the Cerritos talk about the crew of the Enterprise. Very sweet. And mentioning all those characters which I'm sure you're going to mention in your Easter eggs. In the transporter room as they're headed down for their third attempt... Mariner clears up that what Boimler's poster is, is not something Purian, but rather a recruitment poster for Starfleet. And Boimler comes over and says, yeah, it was one of the major reasons that he joined. And even though they have flaunted the rules of temporal contamination, Una is relieved to hear this on a number of levels. And they get up on the pad to beam down. And Spock wishes young Boimler live long and prosper, which truly takes Boimler's breath away. He is, as they say, chuffed. They encounter Karas et al. on the surface of this planet, and apparently Karas did get that message that they sent out, but Pike is able to negotiate that they're going to send, he tells the story of truly who Mariner and Boiler are, and they're going to send them back in time, and as part of the deal, they can state that the Orion science vessel is the one that actually discovered the portal. Also, uh, Boiler and Mariner mention that one of their crew members is an Orion a mistress of the winter constellations that gets Caris's attention his crew member uh, has the name Tendi, Astrea Tendi that is Tendi's T- D- Divana, T- that is Divana Tendi's great-grandmother and uh, appeased by these multiple things he will allow them to pass they get the horonym in there, the portal activates Mariner and Boiler caution Rutherford and Tendy not to say them now that the portal's open once again They turn around, they say goodbye, and they go right through. Back on the Cerritos in Cartoon Land, Ransom finds Mariner and Boimler relieved in their quarters, and he lets that Mariner fought to get that assignment, perhaps just so that Boimler could have a good time with his stupid portal. And the Enterprise got some real Orion Delac. From and the deal, and so they're having actual uh, Orion hurricanes, but uh, it is having some psych- psychotropic effects, which makes them feel like cartoons, perhaps. And here endeth episode seven of season two of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Those old scientists. Let's chat about that. I say, darling, let's do a quick chat about that.
0: Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's do.
1: Well, If this wasn't a great episode.
0: It was a great episode. And I remember thinking, how on earth are they going to do that and have it work? How will it not just look super cheesy? Yeah. It just seemed like, oh, let's have a crossover for the sake of it. And in actual fact, I think they used this episode, this crossover, to deal with some canon issues.
1: They did. Yeah, I thought it was very nicely
0: done. Mm.
1: Uh, I was going to say, I think it was one of the best a crew goes back in time to another time that is of historical significance episodes of Star Trek. It was when I was like, I don't want this one to end. This mm-hmm. could be a movie. There's a DS9 episode that you wouldn't know anything about, but where they go back to the Tribbles TOS era. There's, this is just me at the top of the Anyway, I thought this was one of the best ones and it had the most, it had a lot of heart. But also I loved the, we don't mention his name, but that movie about people longing for the past and then when you get to the past those people are longing for a past that they want and uh, I thought that was cool that Midnight in Paris. Oh. I thought it was cool that the Enterprise crew about whom Boiler and Mariner have been crazy about when they get this little piece of the NX-01 they have like legendary feelings about the members of Pikes and the Pikes oh my god of Archer's original squad I noticed no one mentioned water volleyball or whatever the hell Archer was supposed to be into I really
0: hated that was into that. You know, that's something I didn't pick up on. Good job. Eagle really? Eyes. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: It was a very sweet moment. I thought it was so great. Yeah. Because yeah. they're all like, God, we're trying to deal with our real life right now. But then they're moving a the little piece and they're like, did you know that this happened? That happened in the NXO 7? And then they become super fans. And yeah, also they, Pike mentions it too.
0: I think they mentioned Travis Mayweather and Hoshi Sato. Yes. And yeah. Was they really didn't cute. mention
1: Reed, which I thought uh, really hurt my feelings. But yes. they did they did mention the grapplers they did mention so. the grapplers yes like you say it was very well done and i thought they did a nice job of incorporating like laana's arc this season was mentioned her loneliness and kind of weirdness with attachments Hura's arc this season of like working super hard and feeling like everyone's depending on her but also trying to do so much and confront her own insecurities and then also a little foreshadowing with Erica Ortegas being like, I oh, you know when I was in the Klingon War, oh, we got to sleep whenever we can because things were so rough. So it was a very nice bridge episode. So I also thought maybe they put this in here just to like, they didn't want to have one week of mostly shenanigans that didn't pay off sooner than later. So it, like created a bridge episode, but I guess we'll find out. Anyway,
0: I loved it. And they threw forward a little bit or threw backwards, whichever you want to say, that mm-hmm. Erica Ortega was a war hero So obviously in this episode, uh, sorry, looking ahead, spoiler, we know that we get Mbenga and Nurse Chapel's war story. Do we also think that we're going to get Ortega's? Not sure.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Hey, if we keep doing episodes, we keep getting flashbacks. I mean, this Vulcan, sorry, this Klingon Federation war that she who has been expunged from the record... But now lives in the twenty bajillionth century, thirtieth century, thirty-second century. Michael, Michael started this war. Remember, Michael started the war. We'll recap that in the. Well, we have to talk about it in the next. When episode. it comes Return up, Return yes. of my favorite phrase ever. Anyway. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Zed Phasers. We go immediately now to the Easter Egg Desk with Stevie Man. Stevie, how are you today?
0: Okay, I am well. What a treat. What a plethora of Easter Eggs. I don't think I've ever had as many Easter Eggs in one episode before. Trek trope. Time, travel. So, time, travel.
1: You're like a sportscaster.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't really know what genre I'm going for here. Is it weather? Is it sports? Is it news? I don't know.
1: no, you're holding it down.
0: Thank you so much. Okay, so the second Enterprise, technically, Boimler mentions that the crew of the first, uh, when Boimler mentions the crew of the Enterprise, he corrects himself and says, oh, I mean the second Enterprise, technically, referencing the fact that the NX-01 Enterprise was retconned as the original Enterprise in 2001 with the prequel series Enterprise. And this quick joke actually becomes a big plot point later, as we discussed. Yes. Those old scientists, the titular point. T- tit. Boimler. That's terrible. I'm so sorry. We can you edit it You
1: absolute child.
0: <laughs> <laughs> tit. Tit. <laughs> it's McGee. Boimler. Okay,
1: don't start that.
0: <laughs> Boimler refers to the classic Trek era as those old scientists, obviously having a little joke with the fact uh-huh. that the time period is called TOS, standing for the original series. This was first referenced in the lower deck season one finale, No Small Parts, when Ransom called the Time of Kirk the TOS era, telling Captain Freeman that it stood for those of old scientists. This is why at the end of the episodes Mariner points out to Boimler that he got that from Ransom. So that was a little fun. Yeah. Little we'll throwback between like two lower decks, which is rather fun. Yes. Now one little line that I really enjoyed was Numero Una.
1: Numero Una. So goofy. Numero una.
0: Obviously, nobody calls her that, but it's just a little mashup of her designation and her name, Una. But also, uh aha, the fact that perhaps it's a female version of Uno and she's, yeah. Yes, it
1: was the 60s and they thought they were being clever and they were being slightly less than clever. But we've retconned it into something clever.
0: Yes. Remember me. As Boimler gets sucked back into the portal, this is what he screams, referencing the TNG episode of the same name in which Dr. Crusher gets sucked back into a vortex in a very similar way. Boimler is suggesting it would seem that he doesn't want to get stuck in a reality in which he doesn't exist. Lower Decks has long established that episode titles for Trek stories often exist in-universe as well. Various logs and famous missions often carry the same name in canon as they do in our universe. So it's a nice little... They're just so good, those writers. They deserve more money. So good. And residuals. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually notice this until I watched it back a second time because I think I just wasn't expecting it. The animated title sequence
1: oh yeah i almost skipped it because yeah. i was like oh let's get yeah. on with the episode yeah intro and then i was like wait a second those lights look animated it was so great
0: it was so great yeah. and it was almost like it was lower dexy but it was also a throwback to tos the yes. way that series was animated that's how mm-hmm. i saw it yeah. first and then i was like oh that looks a little bit more like lower decks
1: yes so. yeah it was a nice mashup and they oh, had yeah,
0: that right. alien hanging onto the nacelle which was cool i loved that computer and program Upon waking up on the Enterprise, Boimler initially suspects that he might be in a holodeck simulation, so he says, computer and program. Mm -hmm. We remember this from TNG when Picard and the gang did this all the time when they found themselves in strange surroundings. And, shock horror, it never works. Indeed. Indeed. Worf's honor. Instead of saying Scout's honor, Boimler says Worf's honor, which I thought that was really cute, but you have to wonder if a young Colonel Worf from an undiscovered country might be around at this point. Who knows? Because he wouldn't Hmm. trying to pay homage or pay heed to the uh, time travel rules. Ranks on the sleeves. Mariner notes that she doesn't love the Starfleet ranks on the sleeves saying (laughs) under her breath, (laughs) I don't know about that. And Strange New Worlds uses a ranking system on the sleeves similar to the original series and military operations but Uh Uh Mm non-identical. And obviously Mariner and Boimler come from the era where ranks are indicated by pips. Yeah. The Boimler Walk I loved that. That was one of my favorite Mm -hmm. things. The Boimler walk, the Riker over the chair, over the saddle. I thought that was really fun. And let's see. Boimler makes Spock more Spocky. Ditto Mariner and Uhura. Now, I thought this was interesting Mm -hmm. because he strongly suggests that a more serious Spock is the one that Spock needs to become. And later Mariner encourages Uhura to lighten up, which as we know from TOS is certainly the case. Were Mariner and Boimler part of a predestination paradox? Did they just fix canon?
1: Oh. Timey-wimey. Getting
0: timey-wimey. You should really create that. Just so.
1: A little timey-wimey Jimmy Buffett. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, do it Jimmy Buffett style. That'd be funny. Holy Q. When frightened Boimler mm. yells, Holy Q, Mariner scolds him for saying, Don't yell Q. They haven't met him yet they had a kind of Trelane thing going on. This references Q, of course, who doesn't mess with the Federation until the 24th century TNG era. Trelane, a very Q-like alien from the TOS episode, the Squire of Gothos, has long been considered a member of the Q continuum by various Trek comics and novels. Mariner's comment about Trelane feels like the first on-screen confirmation of that connection.
1: Mm -hmm. Or at least that there's some sort of binding between... The Q Continuum in Trelane. But who knows? Q got kicked out of the Q Continuum.
0: Indeed. Archer's Enterprise, the big denouement of this episode, is all about Boimler's knowledge of the NX-01 Enterprise, which was in service a century before Pike's Enterprise and saves the day. Indeed. So we mentioned Mayweather, Hoshi Sato. I thought this was really cute. Uhura said she wrote three papers on Hoshi at Starfleet Academy. Yeah. Very sweet.
1: No mention of Porthos and his cheese addiction
0: indeed. Did you notice the poster, if you have to watch this again, and it's a split second, did you notice the poster at the beginning of the episode where Boimler is closing a closet of his, and he has the Ad Astra Per Aspera poster. You see it at the end, but Mm -hmm. you also see it at the beginning, which I thought was really cute. Oh, and, fun fact, Ransom mentions that Una is the hottest first officer in Starfleet history, and... He's really the only person who can say this because the voice of Ransom is Jerry O'Connell, real-life husband of Numero Una herself. Oh, no,
1: I got that. Did you? That was meta on top of meta on top of meta, <laughs> which I appreciate.
0: <laughs> yeah, same.
1: Very confusing. But I loved, the, yes, it was very sweet, the husband and wife across the divide of franchises.
0: So good. Well, okay, that is it for me here on the Lover Dex slash Strange New Worlds crossover. It's back to you in the studio.
1: All right, and we go immediately to quotable
0: moments.
1: The Cerritos has just entered the orbit of Crawtham B, home of the Crawtham B portal, one of my all time favorite portals. We're taking routine portal readings and making sure the portal area is free of any portal problems. Boimler.
0: Portal, portal,
1: portal, portal. Portal, 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 portal. Oh, I loved when Mariner says when they're explaining the plan of Mariners. Like, they're like, she knows where the heronium is. She says, surprise, I paid attention. While Bono was distracted by the grappling hooks. And Spock says, it is surprising because normally she does not pay attention. And then goes right back to paying attention to her surface.
0: Indeed. Oh, by the way, s- s- the heronium thing. So heronium is a relatively newly established substance. This episode re- retroactively says it dates back to centuries before 2381 tend to use as the plural of centuries here and Boimler says Starfleet used auronium in the original NX class. There must be some sort of reason for that. So, Anyway, that was your question earlier.
1: You need a MacGuffin? You got a MacGuffin.
0: What's a MacGuffin?
1: A MacGuffin? Too hard to... it's, It's a plot device that moves the plot forward but has no real... You have no real interaction with it or knowledge of what it is. But it comes from an old TV show. Uh, Does it come from the A Team? Is it the A Team? I don't think so. I think it's earlier than the A Team. I forget what show it's from.
0: Okay, I can Google it. Why well, think that? I don't know. MacGuffin sounds yeah. like an A Team You can Google.
1: Member. It's not important. You can look. You can Google it whenever you want to. But MacGuffin. It's like the suitcase of Pulp Fiction, and oh yeah, everyone's fighting over this thing, and we don't know what the thing is really, or, don't, or really care. If mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. You can Google that.
0: Alfred Hitchcock popularized the term MacGuffin. And the technique with his film, the 1935 film, The Thirty Nine Steps, which in which the MacGuffin is some otherwise incidental military secrets. Uh, Oh, yeah, there is actually. Do you want this? It might be a Scottish name taken from a story about two men on a train. One man says, "What's that package up there in the baggage rack?" The other man answers, "Oh, that's a MacGuffin." First one asks, "What's a MacGuffin?" The other man says, "It's an apparatus for trapping lions in the Scottish Highlands." First man says, but there are no lions in the Scottish Highlands. And the other one answers, well, then that's no MacGuffin. So MacGuffin is actually nothing at all. And then someone else in 1966 used the same story. So we're going with that.
1: Okay. It's got a Scottish, Scottish.
0: Why did you? Why? Why? Why?
1: Because I had to work on it every week. So the. Yes, it was a MacGuffin and it was nicely used. Let's see. Oh, Pike, when they see the new communicator that's the new badge that's also communicator, and Pike says, But flipping open, flipping it open is the best part. He's so sad. And he's true.
0: I know. I miss it's my true. old Motorola.
1: Yeah. It's true. In our lifetime, we have experienced flip phones that were so fun to open, and now they are gone already gone, and people are wearing wearable things. <sighs> we skipped over there. We skipped over our own, those old scientists era, and we. Did not give a damn. Oh, final quote. At the end, Mariner and Boimler, Boimler says, You fought to get this missing? You did it just so I'd get to go? And Boimler says, No, Rance was just an idiot with a bad memory because he sleeps face down like a baby. Shut up. That's great.
0: I sleep down face like a baby. Sleep face. You sleep down.
1: face down like a baby?
0: Yeah, it's great.
1: It's
0: great. Uh, it's it's Com- terrible
1: well, for your neck. I would feel it terrible. is bad
0: for my neck, but it, it used to feel very comfortable <laughs> until I got back issues.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. You have back issues.
0: I know. I tell you, I threw my back out playing pickleball. Yes. Yeah. It's better now. Thanks. The sport you're
1: not supposed to. Okay. <laughs> the one known for not having people throw their backs out. Uh, that's all I have, unless you have something.
0: No, I think we covered a lot. Let's
1: go to next time.
0: Let's do that.
1: Next time on Set Phasers. Hey, next time on Set Phasers at some undisclosed future time, we'll be discussing episode eight of season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds entitled Under the Cloak of War. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We enjoyed you listening to it. And if you liked our episodes, we have all back episodes of all the new Star Trek that there is. We discuss it and we talk about all the episodes. So you should check out our episodes of those episodes anywhere that you get your podcasts.
0: What he said. That's it from us. We'll be back shortly with another episode of Set Phasers. Till then, I am Stevie Manns. And I...
1: I don't sleep face down like a baby and this has been said faith as a highly illogical Star Trek spot. I would have said it the other way but you admitted it already. Star Trek podcast. Oof.
0: Computer end end program oh fuck. Computer end program ah. <laughs>